mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello. What a week. What an episode of telling everybody everything this will be because everyone's mad at me. Last week... There was an email from a young woman about to have a baby, and she was asking, will my clit fall off? Will my organs prolapse? And I said, no. I said, I don't really think that happens a lot. You're going to be fine. I don't think it's possible for your clit to fall off. I was wrong. I've heard from a number of people, though, let's be honest, still not that many, um, that, yeah, your, your organs can all kind of fall out. Sorry if, you know, you've just turned the podcast on. Maybe you've got people in the car who are squeamish. But this is the reality of women's issues, and it is a fair point to say we don't talk about it enough. All right. I had a very straightforward birth and delivery. My heart did not fall out of my ass. However, this can happen. It is a possibility, though I have to wonder what the hell is going on? What doctor are you going to? Where were you on the antenatal lesson on perineum massage? Did you push too fast? Do you have 18 children? What went wrong? I have been told by the prolapse community that a small percentage, I think it's something like 5%, of women can experience this. And they said, Catherine, you should know better. You're in a position where people listen to you and, you know, you can make it better. Perhaps you would like to be the face of prolapse. No, thanks. I'm not suggesting that it's anything to be ashamed of, but at the end of the day, it did not happen to me. So why am I being the face of it? That seems like taunting people. If anything, I have a stunning vagina. We've spoken about it here before. It's literally stunning. It looks airbrushed. All vaginas, as long as you think it's good for you and it's not getting in the way, that's what counts. But do I want to be the face of prolapse? No, I don't. I'm not the right person for that job. But I'm happy to spread the message, though I'm not thrilled to spread this message. And here's why. I think it's more likely that you will encounter a problem in labor and delivery if you are scared shitless. So anytime you hear birth stories, it feels like it's the most horrendous ones. No one's just going, oh yeah, it was fine. Because sometimes it's just fine. A lot of the time it's still fine. Women have been having babies in caves for generations, and a lot of them would die. I was going through my family tree the other day with my daughter, Violet, for an assignment, and we have a banging family tree. Thanks, BBC's Who Do You Think You Are? She knows, like, her 10 times great-grandfather. People are like, how do you know this? But we also don't know some of the ancestors. Like, if they were poor, they couldn't keep records. 
or if they were Irish, I think the English came in and burned some of the records. But also, you can get little clues. So there was a great-great-grandfather whose wife died when she was 17. And I thought, oh, how'd she die? But then you look at the family tree, and her son was born like a month before she died. So I'm imagining it's some complication from birth. That would happen for sure. And then he got a new wife, like a second later, and she died two years after that. So now I kind of think this guy might have been a killer. How do you lose two teenage wives in the space of 36 months? My point is, I'm sorry. Terrible things can happen when you give birth, but I don't feel that it's the best thing that I could do to highlight those things. Because if you are going to have a baby, I think you should be as relaxed as possible. I don't think it's likely that these terrible injuries are going to happen. And if they do happen, then you're in good hands and... I know people who've had all that stuff stitched back on or it's healed on its own. Can they play sports without weeing themselves or jump on a trampoline? No, they cannot. No, they cannot. I also received an email last week from a young woman who wasn't very happy in her relationship. And there were loads of reasons that I didn't believe in the future of this relationship. But one of the things that she said, I'm happy 80% of the time. Uh, I feel happy. I would say 95% of the time. Is that bad? I mean, specific things make me sad. For example, I was very, very sad to learn that Captain Tom passed away the other day. He was a lovely man. We all went outside and clapped for him today. That's nice. I don't know that clapping outside your front door is the window to the afterlife. I think hashtags on Twitter are the best way to communicate with those who have crossed over. But you know, he was wonderful. And if you don't know Captain Tom, maybe you're an international listener. He's a grandfather, perhaps even a great grandfather, a war veteran. He contributed to this country for all of his life. And then he, on his 100th birthday, decided to do 100 laps of his garden. Maybe he didn't do it all on the birthday, but he did 100 laps of his garden to raise money for the NHS and to help fight COVID. And he was testing positive for COVID when he died. Does that mean he died of COVID or did he die of being 100? I don't know. He had a wonderful, fulfilled life. Uh, He will always be remembered. And living to 100 is a wonderful achievement. May we all be so blessed. What makes me sad, as well as losing him, is that he contributed to this country, presumably paid tax, All of his life, for 100 nearly, because I don't think babies pay tax, in a way babies pay tax, for 100 years, like all of us contribute, and we expect that those taxes go to the NHS and other national services that we need to keep all of our friends and family and loved ones and neighbors alive, yet you and I now know that we have to be doing 100 laps of our gardens when we reach 100 years old. So the NHS can have a desperately needed 34 million pounds that the government for some reason isn't giving them. And I don't like to get too political on this podcast. I don't like to talk about the pandemic very much. I'm not attacking any government in particular. But doesn't it feel like we are already donating to the charity of the NHS, i.e. the tax man? I feel like there should be enough money to cover it. But I digress. God rest his soul. So I answer this woman's email about her level of happiness in her relationship, and I am stunned, 
to receive a voice note from comedy's John Bishop, a.k.a. the classiest babe in show business, one of my very favorite comedians and an all-round amazing man who's always been very supportive of me, never showed an ounce of sexual interest. And remember, I met him when I was like 27 years old. No, a professional, a gentleman, through and through. I also saw him fill about an hour of time on a Christmas special because there were technical difficulties. And there is no comedian working today who does better off-the-cuff crowd work, just kept everyone so buoyant. And they had the same, if not more, energy for the record when it resumed. And he wasn't the warm-up, by the way. He was the headline host of the Christmas show. But he took it upon himself to be like, oh, you need me to fill how much time? When that happens, you don't know if it's going to be 10 minutes, five minutes. It bled into over an hour and they were on the edge of their seats. I love John Bishop and I'm slightly embarrassed that he listens to the podcast. He's got a podcast of his own. If you didn't know this, it's with his friend Tony Pitts and it's called Three Little Words. It's just funny. This podcast isn't funny. I hate that comedians listen to this podcast because that's meant to be my job. And instead, I just tell a lot of very private secrets. But anyway, I thought you might like to listen to John's outrage about how I handled that listener's email. Catherine, it's me. I'm glad this is your number. I hope you're well um, and surviving all the this bollocks. Uh, a very quick thing. I was listening to your podcast today and one of, your, uh, one of the people written in and said that they were in a relationship and they weren't so sure it was going to work because her partner only made her 80% happy. To which you said you deserve to be more than 80% happy. And I'm getting in touch to fucking complain because that's not fair. 80% is probably as happy as I've ever got. So I'm asking for you for some tips to enhance my own happiness. Thank you. Where do I begin, John Bishop? It could be because you pay loads of tax and do loads of charity work. That is a head fuck. It could be because you're a vegetarian. Maybe you have ancestral pain because you have Irish ancestors and you were born in Liverpool. Those were tough times, if you recall. Overall, I think comedians are designed to be slightly cantankerous. I think you have to see the world from a weird angle to be able to do this job and to be able to do it well, which you absolutely obviously do. You can't be a joyful person with a 360 outlook on the world. And that is why, if you want tips, I tend to check out. I don't watch any dramas. I don't like to read too much of the news. I don't want to be glib about people's problems. But I try to read very little and stay as dumb as I can be. All that stuff helps. Plus, I don't care whether or not people like me because I don't like most people. I have lupus, so if I get stressed out, I catch a fever. That's a handy alarm bell. I think you're probably happier than you know, but you are striving for more because you're a very goal-oriented individual. I blame that on the sports. You wouldn't be so physically active if you knew the harsh realities of prolapse in your own life. Lord knows how many more people are pissed off in the emails today. I haven't checked them today. I don't check them every day. I had a glance earlier this week. But before we go into the emails, I did want to talk to you. It's kind of spilling the tea. It's kind of naughty because Jimmy Carr taught me never complain, never explain. But 
there is this chat around being deplatformed and being canceled and what's PC and what's woke and what's all right to do and what are uh, companies willing to take risks on and people are losing their jobs because of their political affiliations or whatever else. And I've always thought that a lot of this is bullshit. Uh, free speech just means that you won't be detained by your government for voicing your views. I think it's very different from inciting violence or hate speech, which could put someone in harm's way. But in terms of comedy, I get asked a lot in interviews, like, oh, are you worried about cancel culture and how comedy's going and blah, 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 blah. And I always say no, because I feel like people have a right to dislike what I'm doing. Also, if you take comedy from 2000 and transport it into now, or you take comedy from 2010 and transport it into now, then you will find problematic content because we're evolving so quickly and we articulate ourselves differently now than we did then. So in the last few months, I have lost two jobs. This is not like I was up for a job and I lost it. This is contracts are signed. It is days or hours or one day before the campaign or the job or the gig or whatever. And my agents get an email being like, oh, actually, so-and-so like high up in the company thinks Catherine is too risque or Catherine is too this or we can't have Catherine for this, actually. It's not like I went out and stormed the Capitol today. It's not new information. If you want to comb back through my stand-up, and one of the things they took issue with was a Beyonce bit from, I think, 2004. 14 or 15 live at the Apollo, where I discuss what it was like growing up, loving pop culture, and noticing that there were differences, glaring differences from the way that teenage Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera were uh, fetishized for their virginity and really scrutinized by the media, and how Destiny's Child at that time, who were also 15 year old girls, were sexualized in a very different way. It was more permissive. It was like, oh, they're very empowered when they do that and they're fine. They were all teenagers. Then I talk about Beyonce today and I do her voice because she's a celebrity and Beyonce's voice is very recognizable. And then I also say, when I grew up, all I ever wanted to be was a strong, powerful, beautiful black woman. And that was true. I looked up to people like Beyonce and I went, well, where's this strength? What is it? I couldn't articulate it because I too was a child. That's offensive to say today. And the way that I did the bit back then is not the way that I would do the bit if I were writing it today. So this one company took offense with strong, powerful, beautiful black woman. I understand now why, because we know now that it's problematic to fetishize black women's strength. When you fetishize their strength, you deny them care and vulnerability and being layered. You know, it's not a nice thing to do. So they didn't want to work with me. And I think a private company has a right to say, well, this is not the message that our private company wants to project. I think when you get taken off social media for something that you've posted, I mean, it might not always be fair. But at the end of the day, those are corporations, private companies who have a right to say, who they want on their platforms or not. I really think that they have that right. You might disagree. And I do hear from my peers who are having these experiences. I see from my enemies, a lot of them are having these experiences where they go, well, I was canceled from the talk or I was deplatformed from this. But you're not deplatformed. You just can't have that platform. Is it ideal 
to cancel a contract at the last minute legally? Probably no. And that's a separate issue. But I can't ever say, oh, I've been deplatformed because I'm telling you about it on a massive platform. But it is curious to me. It definitely is a shift. And it doesn't allow for any conversation. If I hadn't done that bit back then and had conversations with friends and colleagues since and been like, oh, ooh, and learned about why that bit would be problematic today, then I would never have evolved. So I kind of take it on the chin. I'm like, okay, whatever. Then there was another job where they said, don't swear. This is an event for adults, by the way, all adults. So fine, I've done corporate sets for years. And I know there's a way to do it where you don't talk about maybe big political issues or anything too contentious. And it's not like I stand up there talking about sex, sex, sex all the time. People really think that I'm this sexual comedian, but I think it sounds differently coming out of a woman than it does coming out of a man. I still do. I think that we're scrutinized in a different way. So I put together this set and I said to them, do you know, I think it's weird doing virtual comedy. I think it's odd to do stand up at a laptop. There's not the same energy. So I'll pre-record it and I'll cut it so that it looks really sharp and I'll put little pictures in it, make it kind of like a YouTuber, you know, with zooming in and zooming out, just add some production value to make it good. So this took me genuinely hours. I put a few old things in there that were clean enough and I wrote some new things for this company specifically and added a few new little bits from my tour. All very tame, all stuff that you could see on Channel 4 at 8pm. Was it Peppa Pig? No, it wasn't because it was not a teenager's bar mitzvah. This was an event for adults. I like to show adults enough trust and respect that I give them the type of comedy that I do. I assume that when people book me, they have seen me before and they don't want me doing a whole new style, like ripping off Jerry Seinfeld from 1997, who, by the way, was dating a teenager at that time. Not that I don't like his work, but I do a thing that I do and I can certainly clean it up, but it's never going to be for a children's party. And then they put They're like, first they go, oh, well, we might have to put a warning at the beginning that says may contain adult material. Well, I fucking hope so, because it's for adults. Was I swearing and talking about my pussy? Absolutely not. But it's treat your company people like grownups hours before they're like, oh, well, someone's scared and we can't show it and we can't do it. Would you like to just come on and do a and a instead? No. What is a Sunday brunch? I get it. That's the hard part. I get it. Companies have to be so careful now. Everyone's so litigious. But the trouble is, if you're not a funny person, you don't have a sense of humor, then you're so bamboozled. You don't even know what to be offended by anymore. You don't know what's offensive. You don't know what might offend your staff or your clients. Like You don't get it. So you're like, anything that sounds like, oh my God. Like at one point I was saying something about the TV show Naked Attraction and I didn't want to say dick and balls. So I said Alvin and the Chipmunks. I genuinely replaced anything naughty with like an actual cartoon. You know what I'm saying when I say Alvin and the Chipmunks. But you can do cleanish ways of still doing your own voice. But no, people are like, I don't know. Is that offensive to chipmunks? I just, I can't, we can't risk it. Look, 
I'm not this. Oh, yes, I am the CEO of a company. Oh, yeah, I am. But still, I understand that everyone's afraid. And my warning, I suppose, to artists and comedians is uh, just know that I think our work is going to change a little bit for a while. Am I up the wall about it? No, we still have other platforms. But I think people, until they understand comedy again, seem to be growing fearful of it. So just know that. Let's hear now from the very brave sponsors that I have left. And when we come back, I'll be answering all your letters. Well, some of your letters. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hello! This one looks very exciting. Catherine, I am stuck in some best friends breakup politics. Last year, my best couple friends got engaged. Let's call them Harry and Meghan. Why are you friends like best friends with a couple? For a start, I got to jump right in because I have friends who are in couples and I'm better friends with one of them always, always. There are no exceptions and I'm going down the list now. If it's boys that I know from comedy, then I know them better than their wives. And my girlfriends, like, uh, I could live without their husbands and, and forget they exist half the time. But when they're around, they're friendly. There's no one who's even. You are either my friend or my friend's partner. Let's read on. Not long after Megan said yes, Harry uncovered that she was cheating on him with her boss and they broke up. Harry took it really hard. He went into a spiral. I supported him through this dark time. Megan went on to live with her boss, and they're still happily living together. It has been well over a year. Harry has moved on, and he's happy living with his current girlfriend, whom he loves. Megan has reached out to me a couple of times. Harry asked me to cut her off, which I did while he was in the dark place. Now he's moved on, and I want to be friends with Megan. Can I be friends with her? Girls need to stick together. We all make mistakes. And she's still with the guy she cheated on, so clearly it's meant to be. She didn't cheat on me. I love her, and I really want to see her again. I'm scared to ask Harry, so I want to know if I should stand by his wishes for me not to speak to her. Or do you think I can ask him if I can be friends with her now that he's moved on with someone else? Hmm. Very, very tricky. I don't know the background. You're friends with both of them. It's really important here to know which one you are friends with first, which one you are closest friends with. It doesn't really say. Megan was the bad, you know, the baddie in this split because she cheated and you're not supposed to cheat. All the women I know who've cheated, i.e. myself, we were cowardly. You should break up with someone, not cheat on them. But you're right. She's in this meaningful relationship now and Harry is better off, seems like, really happy with his new girlfriend. Or maybe he's not. Maybe he still loves Megan. Bottom line is, you're not going to get away with this without a fight. I think you are going to lose one of them, at least for a little while. You've already been without Megan during the dark times. 
but now you miss her. Harry might not be your friend anymore. And I think you have to be prepared for that because you can't be stuck in the middle. These are not your parents in a divorce and you're made to feel like the five-year-old at the center of it. That's not fair for the five-year-old. That's not fair for you. Uh, But if I could be very honest, if I still had hurt feelings about an ex, I wouldn't want to be friends with anyone who was friends with him. I'm very like drop and get distance. Like I don't think that I would trust you the same way if not that you'd done anything wrong, but I just wouldn't feel as open with you as I might if you weren't friends with my ex sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? So do what you got to do. Ooh, Catherine. This one's really good. Okay, so it's a bit long. I'll paraphrase. She met someone. He is older. He has a child. He broke up with the mother of his child four years ago, and he hasn't been in a serious relationship since. I would like to know your opinion about this guy. He has no social media. I couldn't find anything about him online. He doesn't have Facebook. He doesn't have Instagram. He doesn't have Twitter. He's not interested in sharing what he's doing. He's not interested in what other people are doing. And he couldn't give a shit about celebrities. Can he be trusted? I really like him. And he said he feels the same way about me. I've never felt this way before. Not even with my exes. Well, I hope not. Do you think he's just a very simple man who doesn't give a shit about other people's lives? I'd like to hear your thoughts about this situation. I love him. What are we doing on all of these surveillance platforms? I think it's like a unicorn when you meet a person who is not active on social media. Do you have any idea how many musicians, artists, actors, attention-seeking narcissists that I have allowed into my life who were explosive on social media, absolutely prolific, tweeting, Instagramming, vining, which you might remember, their every move. And it was so difficult to separate the douchebag online from, well, it turns out usually the douchebag in my relationship. I, I think people can be terrible ambassadors for themselves online. A lot of people, it's very revealing about them. So I know what you mean. You maybe wish he had an account so you could see if he was the type of person who retweets loads of compliments or uh, maybe fights with companies. That's a bad, that is a bad person. When you look at their Twitter and it is just them picking arguments with like Bosch washing machines like over and over. Those are not the kind of uh, people that you want to date equally. Oh, it is a good way, I guess, because they're not so bright. You can track them cheating on you. I had a boyfriend who uh, would follow a lot of pornographers on Instagram, and that was actually fine with me. I thought, man, I follow a lot of my friends get their bodies out on Instagram. I like all their photos because they're my friends. But when you like a photo or you message someone, that's an interaction. And that's what I had a problem with. I thought, no, no, you can't interact with these people. That ceases to be voyeurism or a fantasy, whatever the hell you're doing, which, by the way, I wouldn't even be okay with now, but I was 20 something. Uh, Yeah, I guess it's good to see those facets of people. But the best case scenario is if they're not on it at all. Oh, can you imagine how liberating that would be? I love this man. Don't worry about him not having social media. Are you crazy? This is a blessing. He will give you more of his attention than the rest of us are getting. Do you know Bobby is like in some freaking deep dark hole 
with Bitcoin and like the Capitol Hill things. And he's reading things and sports and manager league. I don't understand what they do on their phones. He's not doing anything dodgy, though. And you can see from his social media that he's very humble. He doesn't follow like porn accounts, which to each their own, but I don't like it. He can play with his Bitcoin all day. You hold on to this man. And if it turns out he does have secret social media, yes, that's a big problem. But I don't think he does. I love it. I love it. You should get off of it too. Just go be together in the woods. Congratulations. My dog is in here and I know he's done something bad because he just went into my closet and I didn't even know he was. Now he's gone back into the closet. Manny. Manny. What are you doing? Come out here where I can see you. Thank you very much. What's he done? This email is triggering because it's about Kelowna, where Joanne is from. And this woman is having an absolute nightmare. What the hell is going on with men in Kelowna? If you are a man from Kelowna and you're not an utter pile of trash, please email tellingeverybodyeverything at gmail.com because I know two eligible babes who might want to date you. All right. Catherine, so long back and forth story. I'm going to cut to the chase. Here's a bullet point form of the shit that has happened in the past five months. Found out he lied about his grandpa dying a year ago. Said I needed him one day when I was having a really bad mental health day. And he said he couldn't come see me because the 45 minute drive was too far. And he had to get groceries and run some errands. But I always offer to drive to him if he's having a bad day. He didn't see me pretty much all of December because people at work were getting COVID tested, but still went and saw his entire family in multiple households and went for a beer with a friend. Has lied about multiple little things that I just let go as white lies. When I told him I was having a panic attack, he said that gave him anxiety. (laughs) Okay. And this month is the best. I got a sitter for my son to drive to Kelowna, and the moment I got there, he told me he was stuck at work still, and it was no longer a good day to hang out. He pulled the victim card about me driving down, and he cried about it. He killed off his grandpa again. I texted him Thursday, asking if he still wanted to hang out Saturday as planned. He never replied to my text Friday night. When I told him I called the babysitter, he got butt hurt and said he was going to pick up another shift at work instead of coming to see me cried on the phone for 45 minutes when I called him and just said how he's a loser, he's not good enough, blah, blah, blah. Same shit he always pulls when I'm mad at him. Yes, I'm familiar. I understand his grandpa could have actually died this time for real. But who actually knows since he lied about it once before? Yeah, you can't do this every time, babe. You can't be like, well, maybe this time his grandpa's dead. You lie about your grandpa being dead once. Guess what? He doesn't have a grandpa. He hasn't had a grandpa for years. I know he struggles with self-worth issues because his ex-wife cheated on him and said she was never happy with him and thought marrying him would fix the problem, but instead, it actually made her more miserable. I get it, girl. He's horrible. I get that he's a healthcare worker during a pandemic. He's overworked and stressed out, but I feel like I'm being manipulated by him and I'm too scared to leave. We haven't said I love you, but I do love him. Oh, no. I hate dating. I hate starting over. I like the comfort of staying with something familiar. But he doesn't want kids and never has. So I don't really think he's my future anyway. I'm just truly scared of being alone 
and I think it would be some huge embarrassment if we were to break up. This is very vulnerable and honest, actually. I think a lot of people feel this way. It sounds utterly ridiculous coming from you, but we've a lot of us been in exactly this position where you go, he's horrible to me. I know that this is a bad relationship. And the saying is, better the devil you know. I was absolutely stuck in something similar. I thought, well, at least I can manage this version of a relationship I know what to expect, which is not knowing what to expect ever and someone lying about their dead grandpa. I feel like no one will ever love or fully accept me because I'm a single mom. I wish I was like you and didn't care about having a boyfriend, but I truly just want to find a guy and find love and be happy. My baby's father is not involved at all, so I get no free time dating. It's really hard if it's not impossible during the pandemic on top of it. And I feel like I'm going to die alone if I just don't suck it up and stay with this loser and let him walk all over me. This is the saddest email I've ever read. Oh, first of all, wouldn't you rather die alone than spend your life placating this man that you are calling a loser who walks all over you? Those are your words. How many grandpas does this guy have to kill off before you can see the light? What is wrong with you that you don't want to be alone? What is wrong with your company? And how can you expect any decent man to want to spend time with you if you don't want to spend time with yourself? Being alone is not that bad. When I found my autonomy and comfort in being alone, it's because I was forced to realize it was better than the alternatives. I had been with a guy that was great, but not right for me. And I had been with a guy who was actually dangerous. And I had just been with another like host of people who didn't deserve me, quite frankly. And the evidence is in their lives today. And I thought, oh, I I should do this. I don't want people to be disappointed in me, think I'm a failure. And it's only when I happened to be alone for eight months that I settled into it. And I went, oh, my gosh, I love being my own company. And you just need to make a clean break. You need to get this man out of your life and force yourself to spend eight months to a year alone and then see how bad it is to be alone. How old are you? You don't even say. This is ridiculous. You have a five-year-old. You're 24? All right. No. 24-year-olds don't need to fear dying alone. Do you know when I met my husband, Bobby? I was 35. Well, I was like 10, but then we broke up for a long time and now I'm 37. But be alone. You will love it. You will get to know so much about yourself. And then when you least expect it, a decent man will walk into your life and he will not be a grandpa killer or a liar or a crier. Not that it's fine if they cry sometimes, but you know what I mean, a manipulator. Oh, there's a follow-up. Update. I broke up with him. Great. I feel horrible. No. I loved him so much and I wanted us to work so badly, but he didn't want to. He said he was caught off guard and feels horrible for everything he put me through. I regret my decision so much right now. I wish we were still together and working on things. He hasn't texted me back from my text last night and I know I should leave him, but I'm struggling a lot. Any words of wisdom or advice would be greatly appreciated. I can't stop crying and my son is very confused and hurt too. Well, you're going to be sad for a while. You're going to be really sad. I'm sorry that your son is upset and confused, but you can just tell your son. Sometimes we get really sad. And then you say, but I won't be sad forever. But we have each other and let's play with cars or whatever it is little boys do. List all the dinosaurs, you know. Let's go look at trains. It'll be fine. It'll be so fine. And it's going to hurt for a while. But then you will be so much better. I'm very proud of you. Do not go back to this man. 
You would not believe how many responses I got to last week's quandary, should I keep my daughter's pony or give him to my friend? Now, I do have to say, these are split right down the middle. People are like, you can't just give a horse away. It's not about, you know, giving the horse. It is about placing him in a family that I know very well, a family I've known for over a decade, who are horse people, who have other horses who would exercise him and look after him really, really well. I understand that Violet has responsibilities and we need to stick to our commitments. Like my mother said, a lot of you agree with my mother, but here is an email that really made me laugh. So you're pretty much split down the email, but here's here's a fun one before we go. Hi, Catherine. I'm a childless 30-something, so it may not be my place, but I felt the need to respond to your Violet horse debacle. Violet is an extremely lucky, privileged child, and honestly, she's spoiled as fuck. No arguments from me. If you take her pony away because she's bored of it, then you're just telling her she doesn't have to commit. She's learning from you that she gets what she wants and she's above commitment and responsibility. She asked for the damn horse, so she'll have to look after it. Yes, it sucks that you have to drive her there and help, but you made the commitment too. The horse is a living thing and should be respected, not thrown away or given to a friend because you're done with it. Stop giving in to your child. I mean, she's pretty much saying what my mother said, so I'm fine with it. And then she goes, I can't stand the episodes where Violet comes on and, quote unquote, gives advice. You're turning this human into an entitled brat. Sorry for being honest. <laughs> LOL. Violet gives great advice on the podcast. And yeah, the horse thing is a problem of my own doing. But it's just such a rock and a hard place, isn't it? Because it's like, make her look after the pony. Or take away a child's pony. Surely the meanest thing you can do to a spoiled child is take their pony away. Who knew my mummy's taken my pony away and given it to someone else? I no longer have a pony. You know, like, what are you supposed to do? Oh, no, you better. It's like I see parents at restaurants sometimes who are like, you better finish your French fries before you have that ice cream. It's like, well, what are you talking about? They're both not food. Anyway, look, we're going to hold on to Storm for now. Look after him. He's not exactly being neglected. You know, I am going down there. And Violet is precocious on the podcast, but she's not a brat. She is spoiled, yes. Is she a brat? No. She treats people with kindness, and she tries to get away with, you know, dodging responsibilities like you or I would, probably, if there were no consequences. She's Levin. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Telling Everybody Everything. This week, I'm releasing a bonus episode, so watch out for that. You can always send me an email, tellingeverybodyeverything at gmail.com. I'll see you soon. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.